0: Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 68. Screwtape Proposes a Toast, Part 1, Three Courses of Hell.
1: Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly CS Lewis podcast, where Matt, Andrew and I break down and discuss the works of CS Lewis. This season thus far, we've been eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt The Patient, a human assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. But today, we begin a new book, Screwtape Proposes a Toast. This was first published in the Saturday Evening Post on December 19th, 1959. It has also appeared in a collection of essays, The World's Last Night. And we're going to be knocking it out over the course of four episodes this month. And to help us unpack this book, we have a returning guest co-host from earlier this season, Dr. Brenton Dickerson from the blog, a pilgrim in Narnia. Dr. Dickerson, welcome back to Pines for Jack. (laughs) It's great to
0: be here. I love your guys' show, so I love being on the show. (laughs) Thank you. What have you been up to since you were last on the show? Yeah, well, it's been a busy year. As a teacher, we're in this frenetic mode of 2020 2021 and trying to do our best for our students and uh, that's a global challenge at this point and so there's part of that but wh- a couple of cool things is I've been using screw tape letters actually in a weekly church study so I'm quite far behind <laughs> Pineswick Jack as a show. But and I'm kind of glad I did uh, my version kind of early in the show, so I was able, so I didn't I didn't have to listen to my own version again. But <laughs> I've been listening to them each week as I prepare for the lesson. I've also been. Prepping ahead of time, someone mysteriously mailed me the Marvel comic version of the Screwed Cape letters. So cool. Yeah, from the nineties. Someone mail I don't know who mailed it to me for Christmas. And so I so I early in the week I I read that uh, the letter uh, in the graphic novel form. Then I'll listen to the podcast sometime in the week, and then I sit down on on Sunday and I do the prep with the whole thing. And uh, it's kind of kind of cool. It's been a great experience and and a deep, slow reading exercise for me. On the broader front, I actually have a book coming out. Uh, I hope. I'm actually trying to find a publisher for a book, which I've completed, called The Shape of the Cross in C.S. Lewis's Spiritual Theology. It's a fairly academic approach to the way that Lewis invites us to imagine the spiritual life. Wonderful. Well, if any publishers are listening,
1: contact me. I will pass (laughs) on the messages. (laughs) And I do just love the idea of you lying on the couch reading comic books and your family... (laughs) give you jobs to do it's like sorry I'm working (laughs) sorry I gotta work
0: (laughs) it's a tough it is a tough it's a tough a tough life I I will say though for those that get drawn into the work of playing with like books and words and letters and literature and stuff is that it's actually hard to give yourself permission to read during the day, like to set down in your schedule, I'm going to read and then whatever, you know, it could be your favorite. Hopefully it's one of your favorite things. And, and that's always a weird mental exercise. And years later, years of doing this, I still kind of laugh at myself when I sit down and make tea and, and start reading <laughs> on a two o'clock on a Tuesday.
1: <laughs> well, let's get on with the episode segments. I wasn't quite sure what we would do with the song of the week now that we're transitioning to a new book. <laughs> and I thought that rather than actually doing the hard work of picking a song of the week, which matches thematically with the subject matter, since Tape is proposing a toast, I thought we would just pick an appropriate toasting song. And today is Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. <laughs> and I'm actually proud of myself because it is actually vaguely related to the material that we're going to cover. Uh, yeah, sure. Th- these are some of the wonderful lyrics. He drinks a whiskey drink. He drinks a vodka drink. He drinks a lager drink. He drinks a cider drink. He sings the songs that remind him of the good times. He sings the songs that remind him of the better times. You can't, you can't <laughs> just read that without putting the rhythm in. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, the depth of it, though.
1: Oh well, profound. Uh, here we have a lot of quantity of drink, and uh, Screw Tape is remembering uh, the good times and the best times that happened in the past.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so well done. I, I have to say, now I listened to this a few hours ago, and it's still in my head. Like I can't, I can't leave it behind. It will not depart from me. <laughs> it will not uh, disappear from me. It's just thump, whumping through my head. <laughs> Well, let's get on to the Quote of the Week and hope that displaces it. Sure.
1: The quotation comes from the beginning section of The Toast, where Screwtape says, "'Your dreaded principal has included in a speech full of points something like an apology for the banquet which he has set before us.' Well, gentle devils, no one blames him. But it would be vain to deny that the human souls on whose anguish we've been feasting tonight were of pretty poor quality.' Not all the most skillful cookery of our tormentors could make them better than insipid. For the drink of the week today, I'm keeping it simple. Just a rum and coke.
0: Are you drinking anything? Classic, yeah. Well it's it's I'm moving in my time zone from afternoon to evening, and so I have the the remains of coffee, uh, that is sort of my normal mid afternoon uh, thinking time, the grinding and stuff, and so that's just uh I think it's a Starbucks Earth month blend that they had which kind of has like a green um kind of slightly fermented taste but what i brought out was because it's just been like a long year what i brought out was a bottle of scotch that i bought uh when i was when i was defending my thesis in 2019 in (laughs) england and it's really been the last time that they've allowed me to leave much further than my driveway apparently the world (laughs) is conspiring against me and and i don't really know anything about it it's a highland scotch a 15 year old dalwinnie mm-hmm. and it just is a kind of an, a nice product but it also really reminds me of kind of completion and 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 so it's sort of like a a nice moment for me and i put it uh, i put it folks in my pints with jack uh, is it a scotch glass is it as sp-
1: yeah technically it's called a glen Caron glass the way that the a neck glen adjusts. karen glass
0: yeah and it's it's kind of i actually re- been, been on twice and so i have two of these i have a pints with jack beer mug of some kind and it's great it has a, a weighted bottom so it just is nice to kind of hold but this has kind of a nice feel and and uh, it doesn't allow all the aroma out and so it's a nice kind of whole evening kind of sipping glass so that's my that's my drink. And they are all available for purchase on our website. That was an excellent, <laughs> excellent <right>. pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I should have wore the t-shirt too.
1: Yeah. Well, we should be toasting somebody. And today we are toasting Abby. So if you'll raise your glass. Abby, may you always be your own person, not simply one of the crowd. We pray that you'll become what Screwtape describes as one of those horrible phenomena. One of the great saints of our time. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Do you ever take that toast. I don't know how much I have to give in order to get a toast like that. That's a pretty good blessing to carry out (laughs) through the week.
1: Well, let's get on to the 100-word summary of the text, which we'll be looking at today. Screwtape proposes a toast at the Tempters Training College annual dinner, addressing the faculty and graduating students. He notes that earlier, the principal of the college, Slubgob, basically apologised for the poor standard of souls they consumed that night. Screwtape doesn't disagree and reminisces about previous years when they got to feast on really great sinners. He reviews the night's meal, a municipal authority with graft sauce, casserole of adulterers, and a trade union is stuffed with sedition. He concludes that while the quality was indeed low, the quantity was
0: magnificent. Good, good. Yeah, no, I think that I think that captures it. I think I think it's best that people sit down if you haven't read the whole thing sit down and read it or listen to one of the audio versions and and enjoy the piece and think about it and then come come at it with each of these different episodes because i think it can be a creative way to slow read what is what is an interesting and unusual part of c.s lewis's life yeah and actually writing the summary i would say is
1: much harder than writing the summary in the letter yeah sure because Lewis weaves a whole bunch
0: of stuff in, so trying to distill it down to some key points was rather difficult. Yeah, yeah. Each of the letters have like one theme, although sometimes it goes in two directions. So sometimes it's it's like a it's a teaching thing, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's a look away and then you come back to it kind of thing. But but yeah, I know that this toast has larger themes, but they're all uh, interrelated. Like it's kind of it's kind of a a biggish idea that he has to work through. So
1: now. Before we start looking at today's section of Screwtapes Toast, is there anything that you'd like to say about the origins of this toast, or how we should read it, or
0: mistakes that we should avoid? Oh yeah, I mean that's it's such a it's such a cool question. So like, so CS Lewis at this point doesn't really have anything to prove, right? The Screwtape letters was something that he wrote, kind of because it was a. It came to him like it it appeared in his imagination and and it's really the thing that uh, threw him out into the world as a famous Christian controversial controversialist a famous teacher and that's that's great uh, although he just didn't really ever want to go back he, did, he didn't feel like he ever wanted to return to this uh, although he did toy with the opposite the playing with kind of a an elevated or angelic mentor kind of letter character but you know it's it's later in life and and uh, he's married at this time and he's uh, got a seat in in Cambridge as a professor and so he has a bit more time for writing and so his wife is suggesting that he he become a bit more clever about the way that he works as a as a writer as a public writer as a public figure and for some reason the saturday evening post of all places suggests that they would like his piece and he says yes he he it was when they asked for something and he had the idea of a toast in mind not a letter and it all kind of came together and it's peculiar it's it's in like the christmas episode of the saturday evening post and you can find it the post has it uh Uh, the saturday evening post has their archive online so you can find it online and it's got santa on the cover (laughs) of this and this is one of the pieces in the saturday evening post and so it's written you know not for british anglicans like the first screw tape letters were published in the weekly anglican weekly it's written for american pretty you know bright but but still very home-based readers of the Saturday Evening Post with the great artwork throughout all those years, right? So it's a really kind of peculiar and interesting context. And and I think I think one of the dangers is that the screw Tape Toast has become a quotable, out-of-context kind of thing. So people grab a line and then use it for, like, you know, a political idea, a teaching style, a... A you know, just a Twitter smart aleck comment or something <laughs> like that. And I, I think of all Lewis's writing, like public writing, this is one that you it really is good to kind of sit down and give a context. In particular, we have a demon speaking, right? <laughs> At the very least, like, we should be pausing ourselves, right? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, as Lewis said in the preface to the Screwtape Letters, he says we can't actually even trust what Screwtape is saying even from his own point of view. That's right. So there's immediately that deception in there. And I'm actually just going to come out and lay my cards on the table. I don't think this is as good as the Scrutic letters. Mm-hmm. I find it harder to read. I don't think it went through much editing. I think he pretty much <laughs> sat down, rattled this thing off, and sent it to the <laughs> publishers.
0: Yeah. It, uh, so it, it has the voice is still there, right? It's it's still spicy, and but it's not pithy anymore. It's not the quick uh, sardonic moment, now it's the smoking room, you know, I'm with my colleagues showing off in front of the students <laughs> kind of thing, right? So it still has the character of a, an interesting fictional theological space, but yeah, no, it's it's not short. And also, isn't screw tape, the screw tape letters, aren't they the best for getting us to the heart of the human soul the individual the me mm-hmm. in the text and i think it's harder to find the me in this text it's much more societal it's much more societal yeah and lewis was a cultural critic but what did he know of america in 1959 like on the like on the eve of the 1960s yeah Right. I, I think I see America nineteen fifty nine in black and white. I don't know about you, but it, it's <laughs> it's kind of like and then the Beatles come and then it's it, you know, and, and JFK, you know, combs his hair sideways and sends people to space and then it's in color. So I don't know how that all works exactly, but like Lewis didn't read newspapers, he didn't watch the news, he didn't listen to the news on the radio. What did he like how did he get his sense of cultural critique? And so that's a it's a pretty intriguing toast for that. So I think we ha- I think that's one of the warnings: is we have to, we have to be careful about just jumping in and grabbing things. And I think we have to do a little bit more to find ourselves in the text to, to allow the critique to work on us as individuals, or in our, our whatever our subculture is, or church community, or neighborhood is. I think that takes a bit more work than it does in in the best of the screw tape letters, for sure. I think it would
1: also be interesting to speak at some point to a Joy Davidman scholar and see how much of her they see in this.
0: Oh, yeah. That's an intriguing suggestion, yeah.
1: Because she has to be his primary means of consuming American culture.
0: Yeah. And and although, so 1959, if he's writing it that fall, that summer, she hasn't been to the United States in, what, six years? Five, six years. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was really kind of a, not escaping the U.S., but trying to to recover herself, uh, religious conversion, um, difficulties, transition in her career, difficulties as a poet, leaving kind of one philosophy behind for another, kids are growing, you know, family changing, you know, so America for her just has a whole different kind of set of feelings than I think uh, it would for, you know, C.S. Lewis or pretty much anybody in 1959 in the United States, picking up the Saturday evening post. Uh, I don't know. I do. I, am, am I, I imagine the people reading the post in 1959 to look like the people on the cover of the post. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. terrible, like I imagine people to read it at the barber shop. uh, you know, or, or like around the kitchen table. Anyway, that's, I'll leave that behind, but i clearly need to do some work in american history. So.
1: <laughs> well with all of those caveats let's let's look at the text itself mm. and it begins with something akin to stage directions mm. the scene is in hell at the annual dinner of the tempters training college for young devils the principal dr slubgob has just proposed the health of the guests Screwtape, a very experienced devil who is the guest of honor rises to reply
0: <laughs> it's a good setting I have to confess So I've done this So not actually at the Tempters College in Hell So I haven't uh, been invited to do this But I was invited to be the graduation commencement speaker At a Bible college and, and even better It was at the graduates dinner The night before the commencement So, And so I had the dean of the school Set up the exact same thing for me They Read the <laughs> same lines Except put in the different demons names and stuff like that and then I got up and gave what I thought were from my perspective some challenges that ministry candidates would have in the world but from that upside down perspective I called it the letch craft toast
1: <laughs> anyway
0: it's way, I mean, it's way harder I mean you can listen to it I have it on my blog for fun but it's, it's not nearly as easy to do this as you might <laughs> think
1: right? I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes <laughs> yeah sure I gave a, a talk at a parish about the screw tape letters, and I wasn't quite sure how they were going to receive it because, particularly when you're doing screw tape, you've got to make it very clear when you are speaking yeah. about spirituality and when you are speaking as screw tape. And so, what I did during the talk is I had a little pair of devil horns <laughs> such that whenever I was quoting screw tape, I would put them on so people would know that David doesn't actually endorse quite what he's saying.
0: Oh, nice. I... You say so. Let's. I just want to break that challenge up in in a couple of interesting ways. So, like one. So one is it's not just upside down. It says Walter Hooper says in his preface to this Screw Tape Toast in in some of the versions that this is like imagine the experience of light and its opposites. So like you know, white or full light versus the absence of light, dark, right? So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look at the white and think black and vice versa. But that's not exactly how these, Mm-mm. these, uh, the letters or the toast work. It was actually David Mark Purdy, I think a Canadian scholar who says, actually it's, it's sometimes it's double upside downness. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be careful. Like are there times when screw tape himself is either lying or deceived himself right you talked you talked about that a, a couple minutes ago that on his own foundation we don't always know and then of course he can't see everything right he he thinks he has like almost omniscience but he doesn't and he can't understand love and he can't understand self-sacrifice and he doesn't understand why all kinds of things why why people or god would do those things so we do have to be careful and then the other thing is and i wonder if this is like the marvel comic screw tape letters version is full of like comical looking demons you put on like the the demon horns just to to signal that i don't know i think i think that kind of works i've seen an interesting edition of the screw tape letters with kind of cartoony like little kind of cute cartoons i guess Mm -hmm. but like I wonder if that takes away somehow, like if we cartoonize this, do, does it make it kind of like too accessible or just kind of something that we can joke off? And so I don't know the answer to that question, but I've been kind of curious. I would love to hear if listeners want to tweet us or something and and talk about that because I enjoy the Marvel comic, but I wonder if the weight of the kind of the energy of Lewis's <laughs> critique is really hitting home. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to say anything negative. I just don't know. I would say it's different. Mm. I
1: mean, Lewis quotes both Luther and Sir Thomas More about mocking the devil. So I think when you have cute, cartoony pictures of screw tape, it is is mocking. So that seems to make some sense. But I would also say it varies from medium to medium. So if you listen to the Focus on the Family version of the screw tape letters, it is much more aggressive. It's still funny, but it's just much darker and much more intimidating. So... I think you can recast it in different ways. Yeah. Something else that you said about Walter Hooper's inversion, you know, when you see light, you actually see dark. I I agree with you. I don't think it's quite like that. And that's why in our closing segment in previous episodes, we always have unscrewing screw tape. It's twisted. Hmm. It's twisted. That's the thing. So sometimes I actually think screw tape is bang on the money but for the wrong reason. <laughs> so, so sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong and sometimes he's right for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's 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 a it's actually I don't think that Lewis really ever understood what he did, the elegance of being able to pull that off. You know, it's true he, he maybe pushes it a little bit with this toast and he maybe it was wise not to to go back to it, but it's a it's a really difficult thing to do and so that and that's why we get screw tape still being read today by kind of intellectuals who who aren't religious they just admire the approach uh, of screw tape that's why it was reviewed by intellectuals 75 years ago it's kind of a Peculiar sort of thing. I mean, John Cleese uh, got an award, uh, Grammy Award nomination for his screw tape Mm -hmm. uh, 20 so years ago. Yeah, so that's, it's an intriguing kind of a thing.
1: (laughs) Well, let's get into the toast itself. Screw tape begins by addressing those present. Mr. Principal, your imminence, your disgraces,
0: my thorns, shadies, and gentle devils. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you did a good job here. Uh, so, folks, I'm going to break the wall here. So what we do is when we do these discussions is we create a Google Doc and talk about kind of the things that we want to talk about. So we don't just end up somewhere over in baseball or something like that <laughs> by the end. And uh, David kind of noted the spelling of imminence And I think I probably always read it as eminence like as what you would do when you were greeting royalty or something like that, or a bishop or something like that. But it's your imminence, this kind of nearness or the nextness or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cute change. Um, it's more obvious with the word like disgraces, right, instead of your graces. Um, I think this lands a little, would land a little better in Britain than the US, right? Like Possibly. I, I'm not sure today so much. Yeah, that's right. These sort of addresses don't really, you know, the American graduation speech is is probably a little less formal or something like that. Yeah. But it's not very often we're we're talking. And like I think we we call our marry your worship. I just don't think that Americans would do that, right? <laughs> probably not. I think Americans would feel dif- deeply uncomfortable with that kind of language for a good reason, I think. <laughs> yeah. And you also noted thorns, which I think was a good Thing to point out as well, right? Um,
1: yeah, that's, it's associated with the devil, thorns and thistles because they're they're barren and they're prickly, and even allude to the crown of thorns.
0: Yeah, that's right. The result of the fall. Yeah, and then of course, uh, I think Paul's thorn in the flesh. Mm-hmm. He calls from an angel of Satan or of an angel of Satan, and uh, and then this is obvious. Oh yeah, I don't think Lewis was referencing this, but in the film Omen. <laughs> Uh, the son of Luf- lucifer is damien thorn mm. so ah. yeah so it's good it's cute uh, i don't <laughs> think lewis i think we should just take that
1: one for free right and, and he also includes shadies which i'm pretty sure <laughs> is a play on the roman word for shades meaning ghosts yeah that's right
0: well sh- ladies and gentlemen shadies and Gentle devils it's a pretty cute play yeah no that's well done so that's a it's good t- tuxedo demonic talk i think <laughs>
1: Now, Screwtape explains that it's customary on these occasions to address the graduating devils who will soon be heading to Earth. And he reminisces about his own graduation and reminds the new graduates that they had better be successful. On this feed, last month we finished the Screwtape letters, and that's pretty much how Screwtape ends the letters, by telling Wormwood to bring home food or be food yourself.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's this, this host really drives home the devouring metaphor. Eat or be eaten is the theme. And I've never understood people that want to make a screw tape letter later, and it's there's hundreds and thousands of them. And I, I actually I think it's a great exercise. I have my students write screw tape letters. Mm. But I tell them, don't use wormwood. W- wormwood's eaten, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> He's done as of World War II, at least, if, if we're to read that context, right? Um, or at least he's been devoured. I don't know if he's fully eaten, but there's he's been fed upon, right? He's not much use at this point. Yeah, and I think, I think there's two kind of contexts that are pro- we're probably a little past, um, in our generation. On one is "devoured" is a, is a love poetry phrase, mm-hmm. right? and I think is there is there's that, is it the thirty-first letter, the last letter of Screw Tape, where it says my. You're increasingly ravenous, uncle. I'm increasingly ravenous, my my pygmy, You know, <laughs> we're closer <laughs> than to my puppet. Yeah, that's it. That's what it is. closer, we're than, closer two Ps. than two peas. Two peas. Yeah. So there's a, you know, so in poetry, you know, sex and death are pretty difficult to separate um, in love poetry of the last four or five hundred years. But the the devouring always has that sense of concern, and that's where we get this kind of the second thread we don't necessarily think about that's where we get that great kind of gothic feeling of the romances and the um the romantic era literature of you know from just before Jane Austen through up to the You know, maybe Dracula or something like that. So, it's there's this sense of devouring, and there's most of the pre-vampires, so pre-Dracula vampire figures. They're actually emotional vampires. They're actually they draw out the soul, or they 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 bring a person's life down to nothingness, or they gaslight them, Mm -hmm. so they slowly destroy them in public. And I think Harry Potter and the uh, the the soul suckers. I've I've lost their names. Just just now, um, in, that, in that series, is a brilliant uh, cartoon way to do it today. But there's a really interesting elegance to the 19th century of vampire being able to, to destroy a person and that without ever a drop of blood leaving their body. But they're still vampires in that tradition. And so there's something vampiric, I think, about the whole screw tape world.
1: And there's also a nod to till we have faces.
0: Mm. The loving and the devouring are the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's a vampiric figure, right? Mm. You know, and she she's an ungulant, to use uh, J.R. Tolkien's image of the uh, the light sucker, right? Someone who eats light, or Shelob, or Shelob, the great spider who sits and devours in the in the darkness. Devours it wanders in the darkness. There is for Orwell until we have faces that devouring that she thinks it's love. Mm-hmm makes a different, uh, and I think, a much more powerful character than most of the vampire figures we have up to that point. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Screwtape then says that he wants to paint a picture of the state of play with regards to their spiritual war. He wants to give something akin to the State of the Union address. (laughs) And he says that he doesn't want to reduce the terror and anxiety which acts as the lash and spur to all their endeavors, because, as we've said bring home food or be food yourself. Uh, But he says he does want to lay out a moderately encouraging view of the strategical situation as a whole.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I love the phrase, the wholesome and realistic element of terror. Wholesome terror is such an intriguing (laughs) phrase, even from the upside down perspective. But if wholesome is like, not just good, as in they're bad, but like fullness... Mm. Right? They worked all the way through. Integrated. Is that the psychological term we might use today? Authentic. You know, you see that like, like what is it? My dear screw tape and then your affectionate uncle. Sorry, my dear wormwood. Yeah, my, your affectionate uncle screw tape. Those are just ways of speaking. There is no love. There's no affection. There's nothing. There's no drive. There's no ambition in hell except the lash, the fear the anxiety, the terror, and the hunger, right? And so, it's like, it's like living in this, it'd be like living in a, inside of a gang, like always trying to negotiate uh, the power dynamics of that and never knowing when you were to be devoured. Yeah. Or when you'd have to devour someone that you actually have affection for or whatever, right? So that, it's just such a, we move quickly through this, but there's such a, a profound sense of sadness for me in in this image of hell. And I think that always has to counteract the the humor that we have that sits at the top, right? So
1: So despite offering a relatively encouraging view of the situation, (laughs) Screwtape points out that the principal of the college, Slubgob, before he invited Screwtape up, he offered something like an apology for the food that they ate that night at the banquet. And Screwtape admits that It would be in vain to deny that the human souls on whose anguish we have been feasting tonight were of pretty poor quality. Not all the most skillful cookery of our tormentors could make them better than insipid. And it's at this point he then starts reminiscing about the meals of of previous years. Oh, to get one's teeth again into a farinata, a Henry VIII, or even a Hitler. There was real crackling there, something to crunch, a
0: rage, an egotism, a cruelty only just less robust than our own. Yeah, no, that's so good. I think, I think it's, uh, it's pretty gross, actually. Like, if you think about it, if you actually think about it too literally, it's pretty gross. But to think about the fact that the food pushes back, right, that those being devoured have some resistance and i think later it's like how what else is a jelly supposed to do except to conform mm-hmm. right and i think that's pretty intriguing like that's a pretty uh, dark statement about conformity and maybe a powerful and subversive one in 1959 right the, i mean one of the church's concern in 1960s is actually the the anti conformity movement in the united states and there's real anxiety about that. And we have here a leading Christian figure in 1959 saying, you know, essentially conformity is going to be one of the great demonic values of the age to come. So, um, yeah, I don't know. How, how far do you want to go into these figures? Like <laughs> Farinata. Uh, so so Hitler, we know. We know Hitler. Um, I think come back to that in a few minutes. Henry VIII is a bit surprising, right? Yes. It's like the head of his church at one point. <laughs> the head of his <laughs> church, the founder of his church. But but, com- but I thought
1: about this because I was going to make a comment about that in my notes and I thought, well, no, because in Dante's Inferno, you've got plenty of popes there kicking around in hell.
0: Plenty of popes. Yeah, there's some popes. In, um, I don't know if there's any in limbo, but there's some in hell and in pur- purgatory. But I think that's that's probably one of the kind of self, a little bit of a self-mocking thing. As Western civilization people, we might say Alexander the Great. Like it's easy to say Hitler, mm. it's harder to say Alexander the Great. Or jeepers, I don't know. We're on the North American continent. How would some of our great heroic figures feel to the people that were living here as we, you know, as our ancestors? Like those rebellious folk who broke from England. Pfft. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I mean they. they yeah and, and that's and that's the crazy thing about our history is that the the peace loving and and faithful are part of this large mix of a movement to a continent where like two great swaths of people were dislocated the african pe- people and then uh, indigenous people here how would those people feel like we we put statues up and things like that but so yeah so lewis i think is just maybe Causing a bit of pause. The one that's kind of interesting that we wouldn't know is Farinata, who who was p- part of a real kind of political movement that Dante puts into hell in the Inferno. And I think I think this is the reason I pause on it. It's not because it's important. I think we should put in our our three figures right, like for our context, and we should we think about them, but not make them just others, right? Mm. Right? Like he makes Henry the Eighth his own kind of reality in a sense. But a key to Lewis's work is that we sometimes kind of look at the argument, the character, the scene, the atmosphere, or something like that. But when Lewis is reading Dante, he's not reading it as a map to the afterlife, but as a, a story about what he calls the imaginative interpretation of spiritual life. That's for him what Dante does. And I think that readers... And I try to read, um, I try to read the the comedy uh, during uh, at least the Inferno during Lent, and then I try try to read the the, the rest of the comedy through the year. It, that's how I want to read it. is 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 not so much all those bad people and good people in hell and heaven, uh, or on their way to heaven and purgatory, but who who am I in the text? Yeah, you know what, what are the what are the frameworks that I've created for myself that limit my growth? What am I not seeing? Where is my blindness, deafness, etc.? cetera, that, that we see pictured? And I think they become much more effective. And, that, and I think that's why Inferno is a bit more effective, too. It's a bit more pointed. <laughs> Literally in
1: some places.
0: <laughs> Literally in some places, yeah. yeah.
1: Screwtape goes on to talk about the meal that they've just consumed. A municipal authority with graft sauce, casserole of adulterers, and trade unionist stuffed with sedition.
0: what thoughts you have on this meal oh my goodness yeah we do need the foodie right you know uh i'll I'll read uh, this part the municipal authority of grafts house personally i could not detect in him a flavor really passionate and passionate and brutal avarice such as delighted one of the great tycoons of the last century that's quite a word there tycoon uh, he, was he not unmistakably a little man, a grubby little non-entity who had drifted into corruption, only just realizing that he was corrupt, and chiefly because everyone else did it? Anybody here work in middle management? Anyone? You, know, you run a small business? Yeah, do you see the, the, the energy, the danger, right, of, of this piece? When it's a cartoon, we can kind of laugh. When we ask the question, where am I in the text? What is the imaginative interpretation of spiritual life? Mm. Then there's a bit of danger to this text for us, right? Um, graft sauce? <laughs> that was great. I've never thought about it before. Uh, you, you, you noted a bunch of kind of meanings or, or a couple of meanings that I hadn't thought of for graft sauce.
1: Yeah, normally if someone talked about graft, I would regard it as hard work. Uh, where I come from people would say I've been grafting as in I've been working really hard but I think here it refers to the corrupt
0: use of money oh cool yeah like grifting in the American context a a grifter is a a, 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 like that's a long tradition of this sort of thing and and to be a con man or a cad yeah I also think of the word sift right which I think is somewhere in in screw tape but also St. Peter was being sifted like wheat yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there's a quid. is, is graft sauce? Is that like a real? I don't think that's a real thing. There must be some sauce that sounds like it, but I don't know. Probably, yeah. No. I don't it's know what it HP is, not sauce, though. Like, like not, gravy like, sauce, yeah, maybe? Awesome. Yeah.
1: Actually, gravy can also mean money. So actually,
0: I think that would have worked rather well, but. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how, like, if. In if, a rich if, gravy. <laughs> that's right. I wonder if somebody's gone through it and played out all the puns to that kind of detail might take the fun out of it, but yeah. Somebody has to. <laughs> uh,
1: the second dish is all about adultery. And he notes that this was nothing for those who had tasted Masalina
0: and Casanova. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, you know, like... What can you do when you have a Casanova that you can, <laughs> that you can kind of lean on, right? Now, Casanova, I'd heard of. Yeah. So
1: he's an 18th-century Italian womanizer. I had to look up Massalina.
0: Yeah, I, I thought Mussolini when I first read it years ago, and then. Uh, I had to Google it as well and didn't get anything other than the wiki stub kind of reference or something like that. And the third wife of Emperor Claudius we have here in our notes executed for plotting against her husband. That's a really odd reference, isn't it? Uh, she was she was known for her promiscuity. Sure.
1: But that also might have just been a result of the charges. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're the emperor and you want to kill your wife, you can make up a bunch of stuff about her as well. So I've got no idea if it's true, but... Apparently she was a, a figure like Casanova, just the female version.
0: I guess so. Anyway, it's it's kind of a, f- a funny thing, you know, so it's nauseating, right? But like this, like the language, right, the casserole of adulterers is really uh, uh, cute, but like the lack of fully inflamed, defiant, rebellious, insatiable lust, right? Mm. Uh, Oh, undersexed morons who blundered <laughs> or trickled into the wrong beds in automatic response to sexy ads or to make themselves feel emancipated or modern, to reassure themselves of their virility or their normalcy or because they just had nothing else to do. And that was kind of the saddest <laughs> bit, right? And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the motivation of, uh, I don't know, the the adulterers of today, Right. I guess I don't ask adulterers enough, like, (laughs) you know, what, what would make you, um, what would make you kind of live in this world? But if I think just generally culturally, I don't even know that people are terribly invested in all the things around the life of, of sexual promiscuity or, or something like that. I think, I think they're just kind of living. Like, I don't know that there's much thought that's happening.
1: And I think that's expressed in the, you know, they just sort of wander into the wrong beds. That's and right, yeah. I think the other key thing in this passage is the fact that they're under morons. Basically, that what they've done is actually has relatively little to do with sex itself. Yeah. It's actually, it's not, it's not this pure driving lust. It's actually other things that are sort of just nudging them in this direction. And they're so weak-willed, they just sort of wander into somebody else's bed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I, you know, and it's intriguing. Like, w- when I've read this, I wanted to push back. I mean, like, sexy advertisement. Is that really the thing? But as I've thought about it more, you know, I don't think, obviously, individual advertisements. Like, I look at an axe commercial and then take off my shirt and spray <laughs> this skunk spray on my body <laughs> and expect, you know, 100 females to come crawling over the hills towards me. I rarely, that rarely happens. Rarely, yeah. But of course, I don't spray the stuff on. So maybe it's, it's my fault, but like the, <laughs> like, and they're clearly kind of making fun of, of themselves and that, but like the, the whole world that's behind that, that expectation, like I, I always, I, I think I've underestimated that not in the single space, but in the whole uh, Betty Friedan is a feminist writer from the fifties who wrote in the feminine mystique. She, she her, her argument wasn't that things aren't getting better fast enough for women it's that it's getting worse in the post-war period and her argument wasn't against government even or church her argument was against two places which was basically madison avenue the magazine production and advertising Hmm. and i think they in this case lewis and and are both trying to touch on something which is that we create cultures of expectation with the visuals in our life with the messaging in our life and i think of any generation our social media generation is receiving message at a hyper pace and we've got to do something with it we can't sift it all and so i think in my context people don't reject the idea of faith or christianity or god because they most people don't not believe in God or something like that. Mm-hmm. They just can't imagine that it makes the sense that I think it makes, that the, you know, biblical Christianity thinks it makes, or Catholicism, or or the church thinks it makes. That's the thing. It's not that it's not true. It's just can't be. Like, I mean, how can like you have the God of the universe and he's worried about like The kind of shoes I wear, or like who I'm in love with, or the kind of job I do. Like, that's what the God of the universe is interested in. That's the, and I think that has, I think the culture of expectation up to this moment is actually much more powerful than, say, the atheist comments or the Christian rebuttals or something.
1: Yeah. In my own experience, I would say the people who are in that sort of position, they just don't seem to have room for it in their lives. Mm -hmm. and obviously this won't be true in every case, but I would say that their lives typically just don't have the room for it. There isn't much silence or contemplation or nature. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about advertisements, when I was a kid, the only advertisements I watched were on TV. We had three, maybe four channels, and I was allowed to watch about an hour of TV a day or something like that. Mm. That was that one little window that the advertisers had into my life, by and large. there weren't billboards near me or anything else, so they just had that small window. Today, I'm always attached to a computer. I have a phone, Facebook, Google ads are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Rather worryingly, when we're just talking about something with my wife, and then I switch to my phone and notice a Google ad for the very thing that we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, So... There's something in Screwtape Letters where he talks about making the patient concentrate on the stream, the stream of sense experience. Nice. And I think part of that is also the advertising that goes along with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what I want to do as a, as a writer, as a artist in some ways, as a thinker, is to see if we can at least awaken ourselves to the good and the beautiful and the true and i feel pretty comfortable about walking with people who have a different worldview or atheists or non-believers in that or um, or other kinds of believers and so i i I try to spend a lot of time in that distinction but to keep the the awakeness and i feel like screw tape works well for me as a reminder that the comfortable the normal the the warm bath like, the jelly reality is kind of the reversion to the means in our culture. It's just easy to slip in and just disappear, right? Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, what did you make of the final course in the meal they had? <laughs> Screwtape says, the trade union, stuffed with sedition was perhaps a shade better. He had done some real harm. He had not quite unknowingly worked for bloodshed, famine, and the extinction of liberty. Yes, in a way. But what a way. He thought of those ultimate objectives so little, towing the party line, self-importance, and above all, mere routine. Well, what really dominated his life? Once again, we have the sin, and it's actually
0: that's actually not really the focus. No, no, that's right. <laughs> or the means. Yeah, and I and I say this when my students are writing Screw Tape letters as an exercise. If they like, if you come back and they, they write for me a letter that, you know, smoking is bad, so let's make them smoke or something like that, right? <laughs> well. I don't know, like C.S. Lewis smoked, right? Like, I think we got to go a little <laughs> deeper there. But like, you're missing the point. If the sin that you're focusing on is the bad, then you're not getting to the the psychological heart of what the letters do, uh, the way that they pull us back and pull us under. So in this case, the, the link I make in my mind, is actually to the to the Holocaust, the Shoah, that great tragedy of the World War II era, the Hitler era, of the Jews and and other people that were drawn into this terrible, terrible genocide, and and just so weird. Like, and I think we think of Hitler, and and Hitler's mentioned here in this letter, but I mean, it was done by like, you know, and I to tell university students this. That, the, the holocaust was perpetrated by thousands and thousands and thousands of well-meaning college age uh, systems managers uh, technologists uh, mecha- you know mechanics uh, uh um, you know soldiers uh teachers those sorts of things it was done it was done by folks that were just there and this became really clear when hannah Arendt in a a journalist went to Jerusalem for the Eichmann uh, Adolf Eichmann trials uh, as a as a war criminal and what she found was not a great evil genius the person that had organized the management of millions of the deaths of millions of people and dislocation of so many more but he was like he's not a great evil genius he wasn't sadistic he was just kind of an ordinary boring bureaucrat and he just really liked a good spreadsheet he just really liked a good assembly line he liked helpful systems he, he liked to see the ledger kind of add up yeah and it didn't matter what was on the ledger and 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 I don't think Lewis read uh, the banality of evil where she talks about it, but it's such a social revelation that some of the great evil of the world is perpetrated by people who just aren't paying attention. And systematic evils always easy from a demonic perspective. It's way easier than making individual bigots, which mm. takes a generation and a few years on that soul, so a generation of culture plus a few years in the soul to make a real bigot, right? It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have hatred for certain groups of people. I just not, it's not there. It's not that I'm terribly holy. I just don't have it. Right. But you know, the way that I shop or the, the taxes that I pay or the, you know, whatever the system I'm part of c- could actually do harm that, that, that is like that. And so I think that's such a, a weird cartoon, such interesting writing, but a profound idea behind that particular person. And Lewis mentioned
1: again in the preface that he doesn't like bureaucrats, <laughs> and uh, part of the point of the screw letters was to show people that great evil can happen in clean, well kept, air conditioned offices
0: by people with clean fingernails. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I think it's and terrible music, <laughs> terrible music going on in the background. Like I think you know elevator jazz you know (laughs) no for us like down there they only have noise but we get elevator jazz i think that's where the radio this is basically the same thing yeah (laughs) just noise (laughs) well
1: after going through and reviewing the night's menu scudapes says that in one sense it was deplorable but in another sense it it actually fills him with hope and 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 there's real promise there he says that the quality was terrible but the quantity was impressive and when he writes that, it actually kind of reminded me of the episode in The Office when Michael Scott is trying to impress everyone and ends up buying lots of pizza from a place that nobody likes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, whether it was from Alfredo's Pizza Cafe or Pizza by Alfredo. <laughs> uh, I'm not entirely sure Screwtape is really satisfied with this assessment. Yeah. I, I think he overplays his hand a little bit. I think he is looking on the bright side. He would much prefer to have lots of, lots of Hitler's and Henry Eights and Casanova's. But he's sort of just looking on the bright side, particularly since he doesn't want to a- annoy Slubgob yeah. uh, and the people he's trying to toast. That's one hundred
0: percent it. I think like there's a history in the Screw Tape letters between sc- Screwtape had some letters leaked, and he says some slighting comments to Slubgob, which he tries to cover up later as you know jocular colleague humor. <laughs> um, here, no one blames Slubgob, the principal, of course, uh, and he says here, no, like you know, as long as we have the basic quantity we don't have to worry about quality but but then he goes through a very careful argument and this is the crux of our section i think is the question of moral and spiritual responsibility i think that's really what our chunk of the text is about Hmm. are people awake enough spiritually that they are responsible um that their souls are engaged in the virtue or vice that they find themselves in and that's the real question of that, and I and and he leads that up then to the question of then influencers in that mode down down to everybody else, and so he wants to say not quite no to the quantity, but he is it's it's very instinctive read of yours that he's really shaping the whole thing towards another thing is we still need to focus on these on these great villains because they're going to help draw others with them.
1: And we're going to have to leave it there for today, I'm afraid. Brenton and I did intend to cover more of the text today, but we clearly got carried away. So we will be back again next week when we're going to pick up at this point and look at the argument that Screwtape makes about the meal they've just had. Is quantity really better than quality? So join us then when we'll continue going further up. And
0: further in. Cheers. Cheers.